Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. As we look in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're looking at edification and uh, looking at uh, building. I'm reminded of Jesus when he said in Matthew chapter number 16 that I will build my church. You know, Jesus is in the construction business. God is in the business of building up. And in Matthew chapter 16, we see that Jesus is in the business of building up his church. That's what God wants to do here. God wants to do here in Bible Baptist Church some building. Amen. I'm glad that God wants to build up our church, that God wants to come here and be a, uh, here in the midst of our, our church and, and, uh, and build up our church into something, into something great, into a lighthouse, into a place where the lost can hear the gospel, a place where believers can come and be encouraged and be edified. It's, I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus, of course, he, he was born to Mary. Mary was married, of course, to Joseph. And Joseph's trade was what? He was a carpenter. So Jesus, growing up by trade, would have been a carpenter. God could have made it any kind of way that he had wanted to, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Joseph was a carpenter and Jesus, growing up, would have learned the trade of being a carpenter. He's a builder. And God wants to build up our church, and God wants to build you up. I think that's important to realize, that for the church to be built up, what does that mean? It means the individual members will be built up. And I find it interesting that in this passage, Paul, he talks about the edification of the church, and, and he gives some results, if you will. How do we know if we're being built up, or what is the, the effect, or what is the reward, if you will, of being built up? What is the reward of, of committing yourself to the Lord and being built up by Him? Well, I see that we'll be united. In verse number 13, it says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. You know, we just had an election recently, and uh, the big talk uh, that everybody was saying was how divided our country is. How many times have you heard that? Right? Our country is divided, and, and politically we're divided, and, and there's so many different ways to divide the country, and that seemed to be the word that would come time and time and time again. And There's a number of different ways that, that you might divide our country or divide individuals within our country, but the church ought not to be divided. We ought to be united. And that's what God's goal is for our church. God wants our church to be united. That's the effect of being built up. The effect of being built up, of allowing God to work in your heart and to build within you, is the effect of church members being united together. I used to play in an orchestra growing up. I played the violin uh, for a number of years and uh, participated in an orchestra, and that was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed it, really enjoyed being a part of that process and, and practicing together, playing together, performing together, and, and uh, learning new music together. It was a great experience. I really enjoyed it, and a lot of great lessons learned and, and uh, great experiences. I, I very much enjoyed my time there. But every time that we would gather together for practice or we would gather together and we're on the stage before a performance, we would all need to tune our instruments we would all need to tune our instruments. And, and, and uh, you know, traditionally, you would have the oboe. The oboe would play an A, 
And uh, so the oboe would play that note, and then, you know, the string instruments, we would all tune our instruments to that note, to the oboe A. And, uh, you know, the, the flutes would do the same thing, and everybody would do the same thing. We would all tune our, note, our instruments together to that same note that was given by the oboe. And because we were all tuned to the same note, we were all tuned with each other. I read it this way. Somebody wrote that has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be. Were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship? Meaning this, unity is not the goal, but unity is a result of reaching the goal, which is this, being more like Christ. If we achieve that goal of growing closer and closer to the Lord, becoming more and more like Christ each day, guess what? The members will be more and more united together because we're all being tuned to the same instrument of God. And so we see that if we are built up as individuals, we grow closer to the Lord, there is unity within the church. There is also understanding. In verse number 13, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Of the knowledge of the Son of God. The first thing that popped into my mind when I read that question was, how well do I know God? Because being built up gives knowledge of God. How well do I know God? How well do you know God? When we are built up, we know God more and more. In the same book, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 17, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Another result of being built up in, in the Lord, being built up in Christ, is that we gain understanding, that we see what others don't see. That's what it seems to say in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. May give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wisdom and revelation come from the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You know, yesterday there was a youth group activity. Brother Robbie took a number of uh, teenagers down to L.A. And uh, I forget the name of the building, but they went up and there's a big observatory deck and... Uh, you know, first of all, I really appreciate Brother Robbie and his wife and uh, their service here. And, and uh, I think it, it would be good for us to, you know, spend some time and, and thank some people around uh, the church for their service. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for Brother Robbie and his family for being here and uh, coming this year. I'm grateful for them. And, and uh, during the Thanksgiving weekend, they took a day on a Saturday to take the teenagers out for an activity and event. And uh, I guess they had a good time because a bunch of the teenagers were posting things on social media. That's how you know teenagers are having a good time. 
when they start posting things on social media. And uh, so, uh, so, so I saw a bunch of pictures, and, and actually my wife was the one that told me about it, and I was like, oh, really, I, I want to see some of these things. And so I got on there, and, and uh, so I got to see some of the pictures, and, and there were some great views. There's like, I guess there's an observatory deck on the very top, and there's just like glass uh, that surrounds the entire top, and, and uh, so it doesn't even seem like there's a railing. It's just floor and then glass, and so you could just see out and see the, the entire, you know, L.A., you know, metropolis area. It was a great view. And, and the interesting thing about when you're up that high is you get to see a perspective of the city that you don't notice when you're on ground level. You ever fly into LAX? You know, one of my favorite things is when you fly into LAX at night. That's cool. I really enjoy that because you get to see all the lights and the patterns and everything and the, and the way that the city is built and structured. structured it's great. And that's the thing about it. When you're elevated, you see some things that you didn't see before. And when we are built up in Christ, we see some things that we didn't see before. Isn't it funny how you can walk into the same place time and time and time and time again and not notice something? You ever been there? You ever walk into the same store time and time and time again and not notice something? You know, sometimes that can happen to us in the Christian walk. We can walk into our church week after week after week and not notice something. But when we are built up in Christ, God gives us illumination. We begin to see some things. We begin to see some things in our heart. We begin to notice some sins that are there that need to be cleaned up. Hey, we'll notice some things that our, our family members are doing for us, their service for us, and, and it develops in us thanksgiving. Hey, we're grateful for those that come to the church and they serve. And one of the things that might help you is to, if you would come to the church service early or late and see people who are here early. The Brookses aren't here, but Mrs. Brooks is here early every single week getting ready for her class. And she brings Beverly in and uh, sits her down there on that back row. And, and uh, I'm grateful for her. I'm grateful for her service when we... When we are built up, we gain some understanding. We get to see some things that we didn't see before. We'll also be unmovable. In verse number 13, till we all come in the, in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's another way of saying more like Jesus. Verse number 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. When we are built up in Christ, we gain stability. That's why Jesus says, he that heareth my, these words of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a man who built his house upon a rock. There's some stability there. Hey, the storms may come, the winds may blow, the rains may fall, but there is stability that is there. And it's interesting the way that the world, that the devil will try to get Christians off track. You ever been off track? You ever been off track in your Christian walk? I've been off track. I've been way off track before. I've been way off track, so far off track you can barely even see the track. You ever been there? I think we've all been there. I think every day we get off track and we need to get back on track. We get off track and we need to get back on track. I think it's a daily uh, thing that we need to go to the Lord and get back on track. But notice the way that Satan tries to get Christians off track. 
Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You know, the way that Satan gets Christians off track is he deceives them, he tricks them. Isn't that his very first trick? Isn't that what he did in the Garden of Eden with Eve? What did he do? He deceived her. He tricked her. And that's what Satan started with. That's his number one plan, and that's his plan today. And you see trick plays all over the place. You ever watch uh, sports? I, I love uh, football, and uh, one of the things that uh, comes up uh, more and more frequently is trick plays. They call them trick plays. You run a play, it looks like they're going to run the ball, but they throw the ball instead. Or it looks like they're going to punt the ball, but instead they're going to take the ball and run the ball. And, and uh, they're, they're trying to put up a formation. They're trying to stand so that it looks like they're going to do one thing, but they're going to do another thing. In the military, you have trick plays. You hear about espionage. You know, when you hear about uh, the, the landing on Normandy. They put things all over England to try to deceive the Germans as to where they are and where they were going to attack. And, and Satan has trick plays. We need to know that. We need to understand that Satan has trick plays. And he's trying to trick Christians to get off track. He's trying to get Christians to, to leave the church to say, you know what, church isn't so important anymore. You know what, it's okay if I just come every once in a while instead of committing myself to a church and, and uh, planting my feet there and settling roots and, and growing together and serving. You know, the, uh, the Satan will try to trick the Christians and say, you know what, you, you don't really need to be that involved. You can just kind of go around and do your thing and and other things are more important, you know. He's going to try to trick some husbands and wives into looking around and going after some other things. He's going to try to trick some kids into thinking, you know what, if finally I can get out of the authority of my, of, of my parents and get out of the authority and finally I can be my own man and be the boss, and then finally everything will go the way that I want it to. But nothing could be farther from the truth. God gave our, our children here in the church some wonderful parents. We're trying to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, it's a good thing to be under authority because we never get out from under it, amen? Yeah, we need to learn how to deal with authority and submit ourselves to authority. It's a good thing for us. And, and Satan will try to trick some Christians into fighting with each other and arguing with each other instead of fighting the world and getting the gospel out there. Satan is a trickster. He is a deceiver. But you know what happens when you get built up? You see through the tricks. You see through the deception. You say, hey, I, I know what Satan's trying to do here. He's trying to get me off track. Hey, he's trying to use this relationship to get me off track. He's trying to use this, uh, this thought pattern to get me off track. He's trying to use these different things to get me off track. But when I'm built up, I know where I stand. I'm going to stand there. I'm not going to get off track. If we are built up, it will help us to stay on track. I want to take a look at three instruments or three components that God uses for the edification of Christians and the church in Ephesians chapter 4. Number one, I see the spirit of edification. The spirit of edification. Because if we are going to be built up, we need to have the right spirit. Amen? We need to have the right spirit. We need to have the right attitude. Verse number 2, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 2 gives us that spirit with which we can be built up. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. 
We need to have the right spirit if we are going to be built up. We need to have the right attitude. We need to have the right heart. It's got to be right on the inside. And God gives to us the right spirit, the spirit of lowliness. That's what it says in verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness. We need to have a lowly spirit. We need to have a humble spirit. Philippians chapter 2 is known for giving us a description of the humility of Christ. But he begins that passage by dealing with Christians with each other and their relationship with each other. In verse 3 it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. What does it mean to be lowly? What does it mean to be humble? You know, you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it gives us a, a list of characteristics of love. How do I know if I'm loving? It's if I'm long-suffering, if I'm bearing all things, if, uh, and there's a number of things there. How do I know if I'm humble? Well, we see it here in Philippians chapter 2. We know when we are humble when, in verse number 4, we look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. To have a lowly spirit is to look on the things of others. You know, when you come to church this morning, when you came to church this morning, what were you expecting and what were you looking for? Right? It's an important thing to think about. When you're coming to a church service, what are you expecting here? I hope you're expecting something, right? You're expecting something, amen? Amen. We should be expecting something. We're a church, amen? We serve the living God, amen? We should be expecting something. So what are we expecting? What are you looking for? Sometimes we can come to a church and, and uh, we can be looking. I want to be fed. I'm looking to be fed. I hope you come looking to be fed. I want to be fed spiritually, right? On Thanksgiving, we were fed a lot, amen, right? I, I want that kind of feeding spiritually every day. Every Sunday, I want to come in here. I want to have a Thanksgiving meal spiritually. I hope that you get fed. That's a good thing. I hope that you come looking for fellowship, that you look for some people there that you could talk together with and have fellowship with and encourage one another and things like that. I hope that you come looking for service opportunities, Amen. I hope you come looking for service opportunities. You ought to come looking for service opportunities. But we also ought to come looking to say, hey, I wonder if there's somebody here who could use my help. I want to be an encouragement today. I want to come, I want to come and be encouraged, but I want to come and I want to encourage somebody else as well. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, it's a good thing if you come to church and say, You know what, somebody's going to leave with their burden lifted a little bit because God worked through me. It's a good thing if you came to church and, and looked for ways to be a help, looked for ways to be an encouragement. That's what it means to have a lowly spirit. Not to be selfish, not to look at my things, but to look at the things of others. And guess what? If every one of us comes to look to help others, every one of us will be helped. Amen? When you help somebody else, if everybody comes with that same spirit and I come to help somebody else, somebody's going to come looking to help me. Amen? And they're going to help me in a way that I couldn't help myself. We need to come with the spirit of lowliness. We also need to come with the spirit of long-suffering, with lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering. We need patience. Amen? I love technology, but I think technology is ruining my patience. 
right? I want things to appear right away, right? I want to touch on something, and I want it to appear right away, right? I don't like the traffic. I want to get there right away, you know? I don't like delays. I don't like all of these things, but the growth process takes time. There's no way around it. You want to build something great, it's going to take time. You know, if you go to the furniture store and you buy a box and you put it together, you might be able to put it together in a couple hours, right? If you're really good, a couple minutes, right? You know, you go to Home Depot and you buy like a shed. It might take you all day. You know, if you're trying to build a, a house, it might take you a couple months. If you're trying to build a big building, a big warehouse, a big office complex, it might take you a couple years. You know, the bigger the project the longer the time. So we got to be patient. It's going to take time. You know, when you consider the people in the Bible, it took them a long time to be built up. How long was Moses in the wilderness? He was there 40 years. That's a long time. Why was he there so long? Because God needed to build him up. God needed 40 years. Moses needed 40 years. You know, we need to be patient. And let me encourage you to be patient, to be long-suffering, to stick it out. You know, Moses, I'm sure, had some low days, some difficult days, but if we're going to be built up, we need to stick it out, amen? We need to be patient. We need to say, you know what, maybe I'm not having a good year, but I'm going to continue to be faithful, amen? Hey, maybe things aren't going my way right now, but I'm going to continue to be faithful. And when we have the spirit of we're going to stick it out, we're going to be in long-suffering, and, and we're going to be there and be faithful, then, then we can be built up. We need to have that spirit of long-suffering if we're going to be built up. Raising a child takes time, doesn't it? It takes time. You know, now that I have my own child, you know, she's, she's almost two and a half years old. She's great. I love her. But she's still so small. <laughs> It takes time to grow. It takes time to learn. We need to be patient. Hey, maybe you've been in this church for 10 years. Hey, continue to be patient. Be long-suffering. Hey, hey it, you've been in, in church for 20 years? It might take 30 years. It might take 40 years. Hey, let's be patient our whole lives. Life is short, amen? Eternity is forever. Hey, let's be patient. Let's be long-suffering. Let's, let's stick it out. Also, we need to have that spirit of love. Verse number 2 Forbearing one another in love. We need to have the spirit of love because God wants to build a church. Amen? And a church is made of people. We need to get along. And guess what? You get a bunch of sinful people together, guess what's going to come out? Sin's going to come out. And sin's going to need to be forgiven. And you're going to need to have that spirit of forgiveness. Remember Peter, he came to Jesus and he, and he said, How often shall my brother offend me and I forgive him? He said, till seven times? What if this guy does something and I forgive him? How many times do I have to forgive him before I can stop forgiving him? That's what Peter's asking, right? How many times do I have to forgive him before I can say, you know what, I'm not forgiving you anymore? He said, seven times? That seems like a lot, right? Isn't that reasonable? And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. Seventy times seven. And he gives a story about a man who had an unpayable debt. And, some, and, and he was forgiven of the debt. And he goes out and he sees a, a peer, a fellow servant who owes him a little bit of money. And he wouldn't forgive him. And the other people heard about it and told the master. And the master calls him out and he says, hey, I, I forgave you of this debt. Shouldn't you have forgiven your 
fellow peers of their debt? You know, we need to be a forgiving people, amen? Is there something that you're struggling with forgiveness? Maybe somebody did something, somebody said something, somebody didn't do something that you need to forgive them. If we're going to be built up, we need to be cleansed. We need to forgive. We need to be loving. We see the spirit of edification that is necessary for us to be built up. We also see the servants of edification. Verse number 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. God sends people to help his people. You know, when God needed to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, what did he do? He sent Moses, didn't he? You know, when, when God's people needed somebody in the book of Judges, what did he do? He sent a judge. You know what God does for God's people is he sends the right people to help them where they are. And here it says that to different groups of people, God would send the people that they needed. Early on, they needed apostles and they needed prophets. You know, the first group of believers, they didn't have any of the New Testament, did they? You know, when we read about Acts chapter number 2 and we see the believers that are there, they didn't have any of the New Testament written yet. They were just there. They had the Old Testament, but they didn't have the New Testament. And God sent them apostles through whom they would pen the word of God. And, and uh, the word of God was written and it was accumulated. And, and believers would have the word of God. They needed apostles and they needed prophets. But now we have the complete word of God. Amen? So we don't need that. But what we do need today is we need some pastors and teachers. That's what we need. We need some pastors. I hope you're thankful for Pastor Choi. You know, sometimes he walks in here on Sunday mornings. Have you noticed that? You know, during handshaking time. I hope you take some time. He's, I don't think he's here right now. Some of you are looking around. <laughs> I don't think he's here right now. He might be, you know, eavesdropping in the office or something, you know. But, he, you know, sometimes he'll walk in here, and he'll be here on a Sunday morning, and, and uh, he might be, you know, during the handshaking time. Hey, take some time and say, hey, thank, Pastor, I'm thankful that you're here. Because we need a Pastor Choi, amen? Because we need to be built up. Guess what? Pastor Choi was given to our church so that we could be built up. God sent him to us. He's a gift to us. And God sends people to us. You know, God sends the people that, you know, you consider Adam. Adam had a need. It is not good that man should live alone, that he should be alone. So what did he do? He gave him Eve. Elijah needed an Elisha. Paul needed a Barnabas. King Saul needed a David. We need some people like that to help us, to encourage us, to build us up. But sometimes we need some different kinds of people. Ahab needed an Elijah to tell him, hey, you're in sin. Hey, you're leading the country in the wrong way. Hey, David needed a Nathan who would confront him with his sin and say, thou art the man. We need some people to come into our lives to be like that sometimes. When we're in sin, to say, hey, hey, hey. Look, hey, there's some sin that's here. Hey, I think you should address this. I'm grateful for the people that God has sent into my life to help me, to encourage me, so that I could be edified in the Lord, I could be built up in the Lord. We see in verse 11 that, that God gave different people. He gave apostles, he gave prophets, he gave evangelists, he gave pastors and teachers. Why? Verse four, uh, 12, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We see that God gives people so that we could be equipped, so that we could be employed in service, so that we could be edified. That's the process. The process is God sends us people to help us to be equipped, to grow so that we could serve, 
so that the church could be built. That's the process. So we see the servants of edification. Thirdly, though, I see the service of edification. Verse number 16 says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. God wants to build his church. And you know how he builds his church? He builds it through his people. Through Christians who will serve. That's what it says here, right? That God uses the members of the church to edify itself in love. We need to be serving. Service is necessary, amen? Service is a necessary part of the Christian walk. Service is a necessary part of the Christian walk. You need it, right? As much as the church needs service, amen? There are a lot of things in the church that need to be done. Some encouragement, some edification, there's uh, some teaching, there's some, uh, you know, uh, helping in the kids' ministries and the music ministry and, and uh, administration, all sorts of areas of service. But more than that, you need your service. You need to be involved so that you could grow. Because if you don't use it, guess what? You lose it. You know, if you are not active in service, guess what? you get weak. You know, how do you build up your muscles? By saving them? Not going to use my muscles. I'm trying to build them up. I can't waste it on anything. No. How do you build up your muscles? You use them. You use them. And if you want them to get bigger, guess what? You don't just use them. You use it beyond what you've used it before. Right? If you just use, if you do the same thing, you know, if you're, those of you that go to the gym, you know, you're doing curls or you're doing, you know, the bench press or whatever, you know, you're, 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 you pick up the 20-pound dumbbells. If you stick with the 20-pound dumbbells the rest of your life, it's going to be, the, your muscles will be the same size the rest of your life, amen? You want it to grow, what do you need to do? You need to put down the 20-pound dumbbells and you pick up the 25-pound dumbbells, amen? Hey, if you're going to work out and, and do the bench press, and you're doing 100 pounds, if you stick with 100 pounds, it's great. And it's wonderful, but if you want to grow, you need to add some more plates on the ends. You go from 100 pounds to 105 pounds, 110 pounds. We need to grow. We need to serve. We need to be involved. And so if we don't use it, we lose it. Hey, if you're not getting involved, if you're not involved in service, let me encourage you, get involved in service. You know, I appreciate those that come to me and say, hey, you know, you mentioned something about service. You know, I want to get involved. How can I get involved? I, I see somebody who wants to grow, somebody who wants to be edified, somebody who wants to be built up. And guess what? When Christians are built up, his church is built up. And that's what we want to see. We see in verse number 16, the partition of service that everyone has a different place. Verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. When you take that and you look at your body, every joint has a different purpose, right? Every joint has a purpose. You know, think about if any one of your joints stopped working, that it just got locked into place. You know, the one that's always humorous to me is, what happens if your elbow got locked into place and your hands were like this forever? 
How are you going to eat? <laughs> How are you going to do anything? You know, you're going to drive and you're going to scoot the chair all the way back so you could drive, you know? Like, what if you didn't have your elbows? What if you didn't have your shoulders? What if you didn't have your knees or different things like that? Every joint has a different function that it supplies to the body so that it could be effective, amen? You ever seen those videos of people who were, they, they lost a limb for whatever reason, maybe they were born without it or there was some sort of accident and they lost a limb and, and you see them doing everyday functions uh, without like a hand or something like that? You ever see that? You ever see, you know, like a girl putting on makeup, but she doesn't have any hands, so she's using, you know, like, like a, her arms or things like that. You know, I, I saw this video about a guy who didn't have any arms or something like that, but he would still paint, and he would pick up the paintbrush with his teeth, and then he would paint with his teeth. And he would, he would pick it up, and he would rub the paintbrush on the paint, and he would paint and things like that. I, I've seen things like that. And, uh, yeah, if you don't have any hands, you can still paint, but it's better with your hands, Amen. Amen. Hey, that means church member. Yeah, maybe if you're not there, we can still paint, but it'd be better if you were there. Amen? Hey, let's get involved. Hey, we want the church to be built up. We got to be involved. We got to get in. We got to be doing something. You know, we had a church member recently who had a water pipe break on the outside of the house. So the whole water got shut off to the house. I was telling this church member, that is the worst thing when you don't have any water. You know, I've been in situations where we didn't have electricity. When I first moved to New Jersey, there was a hurricane that came through and uh, knocked out power for some people for weeks. Uh, I lost power for a couple of days. You know, you can deal with, without power for a couple of days, right? You know, it's kind of funny the things that people will do when there's no electricity. You know how you charge your car, your, your phone? You go to your car and you turn on your car and you charge your phone in your car until you run out of gas. And then you go to the gas station and guess what? Everybody else was charging their phone in their car and using their car because there's nothing else and the lines at the gas station are long. But you can, you can kind of live with that. If you don't have water in your house, you can't do anything. You can't take a shower. You can't wash your face. You can't wash your hands. You can't go to the bathroom. You have nothing to drink. What are you going to do? You know, it's a bad situation. You know, the, the house, in every other way, the house was fine. But because that one part broke, it made life difficult. You know, if a house is going to be built, every single part needs to be there and working. Amen? Every single part needs to be there and working. Hey, if our church is going to be built, we need every member available and serving. That's what God wants for his people. We see the partition of service. Because there are certain things that only you can do, that other people can't do. There are certain things that you can do, that God wants for you to do, that God has supplied you with that ability that other people can't do. You know, God talks about the gifts. There are gifts of ruling. There are gifts of giving. There are gifts of mercy. There's a lot of different gifts. And we need every single one of those gifts here in our church available and being used. We see the power for service. I think one of the reasons why people are afraid to get involved in service is they think that they can't do it. You ever felt that way? You ever have, uh, you know, Pastor Choi or maybe Brother Jimmy when he was here asked, hey, could you teach this class for me? And you felt like, whoa, I'm totally not ready to teach this class. Right? You ever been asked to do something and you felt like, I, I cannot do that? You ever been there? God says that those that serve are given the ability. I can do all things through Christ. 
you know, if you commit to getting involved, God will give you the capability. If you commit to service, God will give you the ability to serve, to fulfill that role, to function. Because it's not about what I can do, it's about what God can do, amen? It's not about me building up the church, it's about God building up the church, amen? It's not about you building up the church, it's about God building up the church. And guess what? God works through his people. Lastly, we see the purpose of service. Verse 16, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Why do we gather here together on a Sunday morning? Why are you here? You ever wonder that? Why am I here? There's a number of different reasons why you might be here. But one of the reasons we should be here is so that we could build up the church. Amen? That's what the verse says. That we would build, that God would build up the church through us. And that's the purpose. Hey, let me encourage you. When you come on a Sunday morning, every time you come to church, think about how can I be used of God to help the church to be built? To help the church to grow? Hey, maybe there's somebody who needs some encouragement today. How can I be used to help that person today? Hey, the, the church needs to grow. People need to be saved. Amen? Hey, God... Who can I be a witness to? How can I be used to give the gospel to somebody so that they would be saved? Hey, think about that. How can I help maybe somebody to be discipled? You ever been asked to disciple somebody? That's a big responsibility, right? You might say, well, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm ready. Hey, maybe that's a challenge to you that you need to get into the word of God so that you would grow so that you could help somebody to be discipled. Hey, why are we here today? We are here because God wants to build up his church. And he builds up his church by building up his people. You know, when we're built up, you know, we get to see things that we didn't see before. We gain understanding. We gain unity. And when, when individual Christians are built up and they're more like Jesus, we gain unity. We are unified together. Hey, let's be built up today. Hey, let, let's have that right spirit, the spirit of lowliness, the spirit of long-suffering and of love. Hey, let's, let's look to the servants of edification and, and thank them for it. Let's be involved in the service of edification. Hey, if you're not involved in, in some sort of service here at the church, let me encourage you, as soon as the service is, is over, come and find me. Say, hey, I, I want to be involved in service. Hey, I want to help the church to be built up. I want to be built up. And I know that I need to be serving. Let me encourage you to do that today. Get involved in service today so that the church could be built up. So that you could be built up.